0: Well, g'day there, and welcome back to Convergently Speaking. A bit of a treat for you guys today. I've got old mate Rowan Harry, who uh, joined us for a bit of a chat. I've known Rowan for many a year and in that time I've seen all different variations on him he's made himself uh, a bit of a name as a stand-up comedian he's done a bit of acting and more recently he's become a podcaster himself in this interview we go into a little bit of some challenges and struggles that he's faced with health and just you know the stuff that's part of the human experience across the board it was a fun conversation and uh, a pleasure to catch up with Rowan. So without further ado, here's Rowan Harry. Good day, Ron. Good to have you here on Convergently Speaking. How you going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Well, I'm just returning the favor. You had me on. Uh, yeah. My first ever podcast experience.
1: Yeah. Mate, it should be the other way around. I'm returning you the favor. You helped me out a lot.
0: Oh yeah, I made yeah. you famous, did I? <laughs> no,
1: no, 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 you just helped me with your uh, your gold content, mate, and you ran okay. me through the Myers Briggs uh, profiling as well.
0: I did actually. My listeners have a bit of familiarity with uh, with Myers Briggs, so yeah. they'll they'll get a bit of a chuckle over the fact that you released publicly me doing a personality profile for you.
1: Yeah, no, it was interesting timing because you were uh, working through that as a business model, and I was completely taking the piss out of it. So it was kind of fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's not a bad segue, really. Um, you're saying you're taking the piss. That's that's kind of your shtick, hey? Yeah. You're uh, a very odd, and I mean that in the best sense of the word, you're a very odd mix of serious and uh, a trickster or a, like a jester.
1: I have been called that before, yeah.
0: Is that an intentional thing or have you always been that way or?
1: I I tend to overthink things and lately it has been an intentional thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it's my way of mitigating failure some ways because Mm -hmm. I figure Mm -hmm. if I'm I'm taking the piss out of it and and it doesn't work, then it's like, well, I fucking meant to do that.
0: Do you know what I mean? (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's all part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs)
0: so yeah just obviously you've got a background in um stand-up comedy and i remember seeing you years ago and thinking bloody hell like i know some of these stories are true i know some of this stuff is uh him being authentic and real and vulnerable but others in the audience would have no bloody idea (laughs) what's real what's true what's somewhere in between
1: yeah yeah it did start like that and it's funny you say that because the audience can pick the parts that are, are bullshit. They can kind of smell it a mile away. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm finding lately it, it just pays to be 100% authentic. And mm. to be mm. honest, when my life started to to get a bit tough, that's when I became funny. Well, what I think I became funny was <laughs> it was more just telling my story rather than making shit up, if that makes sense.
0: Yep. Yeah, when, yeah. When was that? When did that kind of switch happen?
1: Oh, I it. It was, a, it was a slow ride down, the, uh, down that slopey hill, that train wreck, yeah. probably about five or six years ago.
0: That period of time is something I thought it would be great to, to talk about today to whatever extent that you feel comfortable. When you told me the story, I caught up with you, hadn't seen you in a few years, and you told yeah. me the story that you'd... Well, I don't want to give away your story. You made a Kill Bill reference, so maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll I'll ask you to tell a bit of your story and make sure you include that. So what happened five or six years ago?
1: It was just basically uh, a physical manifestation of a breakdown, I guess, is my way of putting it. It escalated to a point where I was uh, it was in an ICU. I got pneumonia as as mm-hmm. a uh, response to a virus, which basically caused neurological damage. Uh, So I woke up after being in a two to three week coma and I was paralyzed from the waist down. I could only move my right arm and blink and maybe just bob my head around a little bit. And uh, the Kill Bill reference was, I was laying in bed for about three days and I just staring at my toes, just trying to um, make some sort of brain connection um, to, to my body. And then I just managed to get my toe to wiggle. And that was the Kilburn reference was just move your toe, move your toe. And I did.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. that's when I just sort of had in my mind, well, I'm going to get my way out of this. Like this isn't real. This isn't the end point for me. Mm. And so I became this uh, uh, creating daily challenges and, and goals and working out how I'm going to walk out of that hospital, which took about eight months and a couple of years of uh, outpatient work and stuff like that. But, I can't remember it's all a bit of a blur. I was uh it was late June, early July. I was in hospital and then I was discharged from rehab uh, a week before Christmas. that was my goal was I wanted to walk out before Christmas time so
0: yeah nice and and you did a week and a week I did before.
1: yeah a week before so it was so specific
0: because <laughs> you really you had to learn to walk again, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much I had to train myself. I could just barely t- I couldn't talk. Mm. I Couldn't even breathe. That was the starting point when I just opened my eyes.
0: I mean, um, that's that's nuts. I mean, when you told me the yeah. story about Kill Bill, uh, I laughed. I thought, because I, I love I love the Kill Bill movies, but I thought, yeah. shit, three days, like three days, looking at your toes, like, oh yeah, right. It was. I
1: mean, surreal. what did
0: what did that do to you at a psychological level? What happened? What did you experience? It's not lost on me that a lot of people would have just accepted that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it was a die or live moment, but I guess what was going through my mind initially was, is this real? Is this actually happening? Um, I thought it was a dream because you get, you know, that when you're laying in your bed and you, you dream that you're lying in bed and you wake up and it's just a dream. Mm-hmm. and It kind of took me quite a long time to come to terms with the fact that this is reality and I'm pitching myself because I wanted to wake up from it. And, uh, I guess my survival and and to an extent, it's still the same today. Is just denying that it existed. That was my way of moving on from it.
0: Those people that get a diagnosis from a doctor and they just go nuts, screw it. Yeah, I'm not going to accept that as as reality. I'm not going to accept that as truth. Yeah,
1: for sure. That's not my identity. That's not who I am.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And were you like that before? Was that a new trait in yourself or what?
1: A good question. Um, <laughs>
0: I'm,
1: I've am i never been a person that likes being told what to do and I've never been yeah. a person that likes being told that I can't do something. So when I've got neurologists telling me that, um, you know, I'm never going to walk again, it's like, no, fuck you. No, no one says that.
0: And,
1: mm. I mean, it's probably a strategy. Maybe, they, mm. maybe that's what they use. Maybe they use that for everyone.
0: Maybe, but, uh, uh, I mean, my experience, and I've had you know some pretty I mean compared to that not extreme but compared to most people pretty extreme health issues and I learned through that I have a tenacity like I realized not everyone has that and it was quite mm-hmm. affirming in the midst of um you know going through all that shit that's really challenging and really difficult yeah. um yeah, I mean yeah, that's yeah, tenacity sure. and that's determination and that's um I mean honestly it's it it's delusional psychotic you you you're partly psychotic to say no this isn't reality yeah you bent bent reality to your will almost yeah Yeah,
1: changing the narrative
0: so is this kind of thought process about changing the narrative does that undergird some of your uh your your podcast project of um the attitude consultant was that birthed out of this experience or no
1: mate i'm still (laughs) trying to make sense of that but probably yeah i think a i think I think it has because it's that whole binary kind of you've either got the right attitude or you've got the wrong attitude, and you can I guess you can draw similarities there where I'd say my bad attitude put me in that hospital bed, but it was my good attitude that got me out of it like you can draw things out of that.
0: I suppose for listeners as well it might be helpful to just explain your podcast and like what that's all about,
1: sure. Because I was uh, long-term unemployed afterwards, just trying to kind of put the pieces together and get myself back into the world and into the community, I started the podcast and I didn't know what it was about. So I had this uh, brand, Attitude Consultant, I thought it was a funny name, I was taking the piss out of Subway Artists or something like that, because I didn't want to be a comedian. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't want to label myself as uh, Rowan Harry, comedian extraordinaire. I just thought, well, attitude consultants. It's a bit of a wanky title, so that <laughs> pretty much took it from that. Yeah. And my my whole mantra at that point was just tell your story. Um, it's I'm not going to write jokes. I'm not going to try and find the funny. The funny's already there. I just have to press record, and that was where I took it from day one. It kind of just yeah, okay. Itself.
0: So it was kind of your old MO about uh, the more authentic and and accurate you can be to the story and to your story, it naturally has a a funny side to it.
1: Yeah, that was always there, but I guess the attitude consultant was more like an alter ego
0: where
1: I would just say the stuff that I wasn't allowed to say maybe at the time or when I was feeling disempowered to, to find that empowerment or... To find that mentorship where it wasn't there, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think it does. So, would you say it was just as much about yourself and your own therapeutic process as it was about putting a product or putting a a, a podcast out in the world?
1: It was. It was all that. Yeah, it was all yeah. about me, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> it's just, it started at the point where I'm not. I'm not even going to have any strategies. I'm not going to try and market it or Uh, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And if people want to listen, they can. If they don't, then just leave. Yep. And then that's how it started. But then it reached a point where I was trying too hard to kind of engineer that process.
0: It naturally evolved, did it? But you weren't sort of letting it.
1: Yeah, it started off just me. I was was speaking to a, a couple of guests about hollering into the void, but just sort of screaming out into the unknown. Not caring if anyone listened, but then you started to get feedback or you're starting to get, you know, I got nominated for a podcast award and and once that happened, it's like, oh, wow, people are listening. And then I tried a little bit too hard. Then I was going through financial issues at the time. I started to apply for funding and it, it kind of became a job after that. It started off as fun and then I'm just editing long interviews.
0: Just, just became a fucking job. Not fun anymore. So what? So, what was the pre-Rowan Harry? Because you've obviously been working in the comic acting space, well, pretty much since I've known you. Yeah. What, back in 2000, you you're in a Coke commercial during the <laughs> Olympic Games. That's what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what What was the pre-Getting Unwell Rowan all about and, you know?
1: Well, I guess I can ask why I was, I've always been performing, I guess, yeah, it was an addictive process. I guess it's just something that uh, I was re- I was rewarded. Like when you're rewarded for something, I guess that draws you to it. Just with the encouragement of my, of my family and my friends around me saying that I'm good at it. And you just get that buzz of performing on stage when you've got people looking at you, staring at you, laughing at you. I don't know, for some- someone that is in primary school, I never really fitted in. And uh, making people laugh was my way of, yeah, of getting that reward of of a friendship I guess when you started in the young comic scene I mean you know a lot of attractive women would sleep with you I mean that's I'm not gonna lie that's probably part of the reason why I started doing it in the first <laughs> place in my in my late teens early 20s yeah but but it's different now I guess when I got sick it became a survival mechanism of I used my sense of humor to, to keep me alive
0: and yeah okay I sort
1: of that that's that point where I discovered why I'm doing it like what's my real reason for doing comedy because I'd sort of turned away from it and went down that whole path of just working nine to five to pay the bills to pay the mortgage and I, I just burnt out and then it's like well a like, sense of humor is important and this is why I'm doing it
0: oh yeah you're you're like me you're never made for the nine to five grind no. and it was it was in that time that you got sick wasn't it while you're doing that job
1: Oh no doubt that contributed to it for sure. Yeah, I guess what you do, you break people's personalities down and you profile them. I guess you can move out of your personality type for a while, but it's it reaches a point where it's gonna it's gonna fuck you up long term. If you're compromising who you who you are as a person, yeah, it is gonna mess you up.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But you you can lie to yourself, can't you, Dan?
0: You can, you can. And some of us are better at th- uh, than others, you know, and like, I don't know, my experience over the years from you as someone who always uh, tries to be authentic, like you know, that's pretty central to who you are. And yeah, uh, yeah. when I learned that you were working for a bank uh, in, at a desk, it was like, whoa, that's, that's not rowing at all. You know, I reckon good on you for trying, but <laughs> you know because it sucks to not fit in it sucks to not be able to just like do the normal kind of deal that others seem to be able to get away with quite successfully um, and have to make your own path
1: yeah yeah for sure i don't know for me for me i was young and you just want to be kind of you want to be famous and all that and then it reached a point in my 20s where i didn't care about that anymore yeah it just became about work and security and then that fucked up (laughs)
0: <laughs> so you, this, you
1: just got this double failure in your life.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think Jim Carrey talks about it a lot with his father. He compromised and then failed it. That compromise and how that fucks you up. Mm. Maybe, maybe that's mm. what caused the breakdown.
0: Yeah, well, maybe it was it was it was your typical binary thing where you you do one or you do the other, and you just threw yourself into. Um, well, firstly, you. Yeah. You threw yourself into not doing the standard thing yeah. and then you just swung all the way in the other direction and and your whole personality and physiology was just like, what what the hell is going on here? Like you couldn't integrate it.
1: Yeah. And, and apparently I was saying some and doing some crazy stuff. I was just chatting to my girlfriend uh, on the weekend and telling stories because I wanted to ask her point of view on it because it's 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 very uh patient focused when you're in in recovery like you know you got all the all the doctors and all the specialists standing around you but no one kind of asks your friends and your and and your loved ones your family members how they're going with it so i just yeah. kind of wanted to sit down her and and chat with her amongst what's happening at the moment and how she how it's
0: might be triggering her uh, you mean right now or or back yeah. when you were, yeah yeah
1: yeah, well, we were talking about back then, but it was, I guess, what's happening now can kind of uh, trigger those sort of memories. I guess that's part of the conversation.
0: And that gives us that that that's a nice segue into the the off camera version of Rowan that I've always known, which yeah. is someone who does care about other people's feelings and other people's lived experience. Like y- you've tried to hide it, I reckon. Uh, But you are a deeply empathetic guy. Thanks. Um, Yeah.
1: No, thank you. I haven't really hidden it. I guess sometimes you'll just, oh, you break it down into feelings and uh, is it thinking?
0: Thinking, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and more of the F side of it because I was thinking about it recently, like maybe I'm a T. But no, I guess you're right. Like the driver's side is I am a feeler and I do care. But just sometimes... I guess I'm I'm forced to be a thinker.
0: Mm. Well, you've got what you've got. Uh, for those uh, following along at home, I have profiled you as an INFP. Yeah. And yeah. as an INFP, what you've got is you've got your feeling function first, um, but it's what we call introverted feeling. And yep. so you're doing your feelings, and they're really deep, but they're internal. Oh, for sure. So you don't you don't emote. So I have extroverted feeling, so I tend to emote more. Uh, Whereas not not that you don't emote, it's not black and white, but you know your your default way of operating is to to do your feelings on the inside, and that's why we often see um, with people with introverted feeling that they're in the arts, they do (laughs) movies, they do stand up, they do um, fine arts, because what they're doing is they're using a artistic medium to express themselves um to try and create in the audience a particular emotional experience yeah you're a master at that you're a master at creating that Uh, whatever that thing is that you're trying to create at that moment often it's just humor and getting people to laugh but you know you you kind of weave in other messages into that as every good those good trickster trickster does is that is that something you're conscious of it always appeared like you're conscious of it but are you you just trying to make people laugh or are you have let's say other agendas you got other agendas there, there, there might be
1: a couple of other agendas in there as well like i said before sometimes i'm expressing what i'm not allowed to talk about you say i do internalize things that that is true but sometimes that's because i don't want to argue with people or i don't want to offend people Yeah, maybe that's what the Attitude Consultant is about. It's about I'm not attacking people, I'm attacking behaviours or Mm. or attitudes. And the moment I do that, it's like you can get offended by it, but if you do, then maybe you're guilty. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're hitting a nerve with people and yeah. You've experienced that, have you? Oh. With your podcast? Yeah. (laughs) Obviously with your stand up too. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. I don't know what
1: I don't know what's happening with the stand up. I've just sort of lost interest. I get bored bored of things and I move on. Yeah. Like lately I've just been coming up with five or six ideas and then within an hour I've just completely lost momentum and move on to something else
0: yeah yeah what's well, another it's another very very uh strong and common trait with infps i don't know if that's validating but okay. cause it's all driven yeah. by that emotion so you get the emotional connection to to something and that like that's that's your fuel that's your petrol that gets you moving and when that goes it's just like no nah, it's yeah. just gone
1: yeah it was a horrible journey i don't, I don't want to bore you with it, it was, Sure. It was very isolating. It was, it was very lonely times. It was dark times. I guess when you're, when you're an inpatient, you, you're getting all of this care and treatment. But the moment that, that I walked again, I was pushed out into the world and was supposed to just function as mm. normal, but I couldn't.
0: Well, it, it speaks to this uh, typical dynamic that happens in society that we put more weight on the things that are, are tangible. Uh, you know, so you can physically walk, you yeah. can physically eat and hold down food, you can yeah. physically breathe. Oh well, you you must be all right then. Yeah. Uh, now, once all the lockdowns happen and everything goes "quote unquote" back to normal, there's going to be a massive fallout of uh, post-traumatic stress and people with uh, new diagnoses of OCD because you know yeah. they had media in their ears 24/7 telling them to wash their hands and. All manner of uh, uh, things that come out of this, um, but all very invisible, all very intangible, that doesn't show up very well on a, a on a balance sheet. So yeah. I can totally imagine that sort of scenario. They go, "Oh, well, you're right. Now you can walk again."
1: It's it's almost going to be a world of disassociation. You know, we're just going to because now we're all online. Mm. When we're when we're back in the real world, as well, we're just gonna just we're just gonna escape. Um, I use this Miley obsession, um, which you'd be familiar with, being in my Facebook network.
0: Oh, you need it! You need to uh, explain to the listeners now what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> well, I've opened up that can of worms, then. For for the listeners at home, I had a Miley Cyrus obsession. Well, I still do, uh, actually. I've my whole wall is just wallpapered with uh, pictures of Miley Cyrus. And uh, what started off as a bit of a joke has escalated to this point of fucking madness. (laughs) And uh, yeah, people think I'm crazy, Um, but it was my way of dealing with it, if that makes sense. It was my art therapy. It's what got me through.
0: Yeah, okay. So did that start after you came out of hospital as well? Yeah,
1: Yeah. that only started about five years ago, actually.
0: I've got to ask, have you yet had any attention from anyone in Miley's team on social media or anything? No, 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 I
1: haven't. I haven't. And what? that, and I was thinking about it recently because now everyone's in lockdown. She's doing all these uh, online webcam videos and all that sort of stuff. And I haven't looked into it. I don't really give a fuck. I don't have time for it. And it was kind of refreshing yeah. for me. It's like, oh, nice. Yeah, I'm I'm in control of this. Thank fuck.
0: So you're in recovery now. <laughs> maybe. Miley recovery. Maybe I've just
1: moved on. Maybe, maybe it was that point yeah. of, now it is attainable, I don't care anymore, because it was mm. because it was so unattainable, uh, a friend was kind of asked me this question, where you most brought it out? I mean, it hit the nail on the head for me mm. at that time because I, I had tears coming down my eyes when he said it. What he says is maybe you created something unattainable, like Miley because you didn't want to talk about all the personal shit that was going on in your life. Mm. And uh, I guess it was true. It was a distraction. It's like, no, i don't want I don't want to talk about this shit." Like it's personal. It did fuck me up, and it's it's a boring story. I don't. I'm sick and tired of sob stories. You know, knuckle down, get up, get your shit together, because no one gives a fuck. People people pretend pretended to give a fuck, but deep down they, they were too busy worrying about their own shit.
0: Did you believe that people gave a shit before? If I'd ask you before you got unwell,
1: yeah. Oh, mate, I was so jaded before I was unwell. I I was just. Yeah. everything for me i'd lost complete sense of purpose like i had no like i didn't even know why i was here like i didn't want to go out and kill myself i've never had that feeling to go out and top myself but it's like well what, what's the fucking point like why am i here what am i doing like no, i have gonna get out at six thirty a.m so i can get up work and then pay some fucking bills and as dark as that sounds when i was in a hospital bed like just a head on a pillow for the first time in a long time i had a sense of purpose and that was i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna walk out of this hospital bed like that oh wow i've got a goal now
0: that's massive jordan peterson talks heaps about the the purpose of life is um you know having finding meaning and and picking up a heavy burden and and carry that thing i'm not articulating very well Um, but you know like meaning is the central kind of Thing yeah. I'm walking again. Well, that's a meaning.
1: Yeah. yeah, and it's a big goal. And then you can break that down. It's like you wake up and like, oh, I didn't shit. I didn't shit the bed today, so you tick that off your off your goal setting workshop. You know, mm-hmm. we are not yeah. articulating this well, uh ladies and gentlemen at home. But uh, just it's the mabo. It's the vibe. You know, <laughs> just pick it up. <laughs> take take what you can from us. Right.
0: I'd love to hear now, like. Where you're up to now in life? What what gives you meaning? And do you struggle after having such a big and really valid yeah. meaning? Like, oh, let's walk yeah. again. Like, do you now struggle to find meaning, or have has your meaning making mechanism changed and improved? Well, and... I mean,
1: before the podcast, it plateaued, and then mm. yeah, the financial issues were, were really dark times. That was. It's just been constant fight or flight for me for the last five years. Like I said, I've, I'm undergoing at the moment what I call Centrelink-induced psychosis. So I've got to work my way through that. A lot of...
0: <laughs> what do you mean, Centrelink-induced psychosis? That's
1: no, a phrase I coined the other week. Just basically chatting to Nikki, my girlfriend, basically opened up to her about how fucking depressed I've been the last couple of weeks, just struggling to get out of bed amidst this times mm. but it's just like i'm just i just don't know where my next dollar's going to be and i don't want to do that anymore i'm
0: tired
1: yeah i'm trying to get my health under underway so yeah, anyway
0: yeah it's it's heavy heavy yeah. shit
1: so i guess i guess it, in finding purpose times like this, this is fun for me like just being able to express myself creatively, come up with new ideas, just enjoy the moment. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying mm. to do is mm. just not worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, but just use what you have. And, yeah, so that's what I'm trying to do. But just mm. lacking routine. Mm. It's hard.
0: Oh, r- lack of routine is brutal. <laughs> it took me a long time to get that yeah. message. Because <laughs> I was always fearful of getting bored you know like oh, i don't want to get one job nine to five because i'll be bored and you know same same old thing and slowly but surely I'll, i learned like ah i have a bit of structure in my week, yeah. i feel less aimless i'm using far less brain power and trying to work out what i got to do tomorrow where how when what's the address who don't you know like all these logistics
1: yeah. is that a personality thing though is it some personality types that need that structure more than others or do you think we all we all need
0: yeah both things are true um it's a continuum so uh you know if i'm like when i was doing youth work a few years ago i had three maybe four shifts a week that i always did same person same place that's not an overly big amount of structure but that was enough for me it was like a pivot point Whereas some people need way more. Um, you know, I have a friend who works full time and works hard, uh, but she's allowed to set her own hours. And that's really pretty central to her personality yeah. type. So she's got plenty of stuff in her life, uh, but how and when she does it, she needs flexibility. Um, otherwise, she feels like claustrophobic. Yeah. Understand that. But yeah, any human without any structure. Especially if they're not, you know, with others um, in in some for, form of community or relationship, yeah. they're gonna come. They're gonna become depressed. You know, they're gonna yeah, struggle. Yeah, which is, I guess, um,
1: that kind of hit me last week. And mm. I, I I didn't realize I needed structure in my life, but thinking back on it was when I was doing the pub quizzes. I'd rock up each week to the same pub and see the same friendly faces. Like that meant the world to me. Like that was. I kind of miss that, you know, but then you've got the, every show's different as well. I guess you can, I guess it can be the same creative as as well. Like some of my favorite uh, comedy sketches or jokes or when when I write a joke or when I write a a film or anything like that, I need that structure. I need to go back to the drawing board, storyboard it, write the script, but then I also need the freedom to be able to ad-lib around it and just... I don't know. It's just this amazing combination.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. And that's that's like from an outsider looking in, that's clearly your creative process. Like a lot of what you do looks ad hoc, but it's clearly not. You 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 you're flexible in the moment, but you've kind of yeah storyboarded it, even if it's just in your own in your own yeah, mind. Yeah, I guess I
1: almost need to do that more. I need to be more disciplined with with my writing and my structuring. It's hard, mate. I'm tired.
0: Yeah. Like, it's hard work being poor. Yeah. That's what people don't realise, you know. People think, oh, it'd be great to not have to work and be able to sit around and watch TV all day. And if you don't know where your your next paycheck is coming from, then you're never relaxed. You've always got that going on on the back yeah. of your mind. You know, Ron, you're talking about, like, let's be real what you're talking about the struggles at the moment, lack of structure and financial stresses and all these challenges. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the experience that heaps of the planet's happening totally, at the moment. Totally. And, you know, I don't want to water down how, how real that yeah. is. Like, you know, because it's, it's fucked. It looks really screwed. Like, people are going to kill themselves because of what's going on. And they are. They are I mean they already yeah, are exactly. and and domestic violence has gone yep. up and and you know drug use, alcohol use the whole bit. It sounds
1: cheesy as fuck Dan, but I, I think what helped me was when I was in that really dark place is just to kind of search for the light. um it's it's a cliche, but it's the, it does actually shine brighter in the darkness. And it doesn't matter how, small, like, it's fucking there. You just have to find it. Yeah, I believe it, it's there. And if and and I think what we're going back before is purpose. Is if you find that purpose of getting through this, and um, uh you'll find a way out. When I was in that point, when laying in the hospital bed, I was. It was an ideal time just to fucking lay back and go. All right, well, um, okay, see you later, guys. I'm fucking off now. Like I, I had that that opportunity. And when, she, and when shit went down financially, when I was getting mistreated, when I'm trying to, uh, to get my life back into gear again, part of me was questioning, it's like, well, I never wanted to kill myself, but why didn't I just fucking die in that hospital bed? I had the, the perfect opportunity. It was like, well, no, I didn't. I decided not to. I've come back to the world for a strict purpose. And my purpose is to find that fucking purpose. Yeah. sometimes the small wins are the, the, the big wins like
0: for sure what's well, it's all the small wins that accumulate yeah
1: totally and they build onto the big wins like my big win was well i'm going to walk again like that was a huge that was a huge breakthrough for me
0: yeah but it was like a thousand micro breakthroughs along the oh, way totally. so what so what's the light
1: what is the light
0: you said there's, there's a light there what for you what is that it's
1: the hope it's the future it's what's going to get you out of bed in the morning it's it's what inspires you
0: so it's it's a belief that there is a, a future.
1: Totally, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a belief that there is, there is good yeah. and the, to be found.
1: And that this, it's temporary. It's temporary.
0: I mean, that's the only way you can navigate chronic illness, to realise, yeah. like, it won't always yeah. be this way. I mean, when I was sick, I was like, oh, my goodness. I understand what one step at a time means.
1: Yeah, you and I both know what it means to break it down, like to have to to overthink yeah. it, and that's causing is causing us right now to overthink everything.
0: <laughs> no, we always did that.
1: <laughs> we, we've always done that.
0: <laughs> but
1: not everyone has to sit down and you know completely rewrite their entire business model. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Some people are like, haven't done that for 40 years and they're forced to do it right now. Like, that's
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. Hard, man. It, it reminds me of something a mutual friend of ours said, you know, Nathan Jones, who you've had in your podcast. Yeah. He was saying, you know, for you and I, Dan, we've spent so many years working through our traumas and our issues and that kind of thing that what's come left field now that, you know, has created a fight-flight response for us it's kind of like oh yeah this is old hat yeah, you yeah, know that... we've dealt with these kinds of things where he's saying you know there's people that as you've just said around like 40 years they've been kind of doing the same sort of thing they, they, they don't bloody know what to do they've not dealt with this quantity of uh, uncertainty and uh, day-to-day stress yeah. and all these people that are workaholics that are now having to work from home with um, you know estranged family members whom they normally yeah. avoid through their work or whatever
1: yeah that's brutal yeah that's right and who are we to say that uh we're better than them because of that no
0: no that well that's right it yeah. was more like uh oh thank god there's some payoff for all this uh there's pain and misery and uh shit that we've worked through well, we've a, now got a few coping skills
1: yeah we're strong we're, we're strong through it
0: that's right and it's and 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 really, what I took from Nathan from that was because he was saying, "Mate, you got you got a message, and you've got you know you need a you know to put yourself out there." And you know, I thought, well, yeah, maybe I, I'd love to be able to if there's something I can do to to support people with you know, totally. stress management skills. Then you know, it'd be selfish of me to not not give that a go.
1: Yeah, yeah, That's weird, mate, isn't it? It's it's different because we battle it when we felt totally alone, whereas other people were battling it when other other people are in the same... Like, everyone's in the same boat. Yeah. So it's not easier.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to make head or tail of it because in one sense, uh, we're all in it together uh, yeah. and in another sense, we're all isolated at home. So <laughs> it's, it's very, very weird. Um, I mean, I feel for the people like such as yourself that don't live with anyone yeah okay for us introverts we like to have time to ourselves, and there's a lot of upsides but you know we all need some human contact i mean my house is bustling with people you know isolation or not um i'm always going to have like five well four other people around me including myself see i couldn't do that mate that would drive me nuts Oh, it drives me nuts. Oh, <laughs> it's exhausting. It would. Um, but it also makes me feel alive, so it's it's another paradox.
1: Do you have to you, do you have time? Do you have a man cave? you've got your man cave? I've got a man cave
0: a minute right now.
1: Yeah, have you set that up yet?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I'm recording from here now. Well, we're probably getting getting near the end. can't. I, my when I think of you, Rowan, and ever since I've known you, you've really embodied the the trickster archetype. I mean, I remember yeah. years ago going to youth group and walking up the stairs and saying good day to you, and saying, yeah. "Oh, how you going?" And you're like, "Oh, pretty shit." <laughs> and it was just yeah. like, "Oh my goodness!" Like, there's so much. I mean, that was hilarious, but it's. it's it's, it's prophetic it's like you're just speaking straight to the bullshit personas that that we put on when we come into a context like a church or a youth group and and that kind of be, seems to be what you've always done is it conscious
1: no totally un, totally unconscious totally unconscious but yeah but only lately have i been trying to analyze that and it's a question that i've never been asked before I think like like you said before, I hate bullshit mate. I can't stand mm. bullshit. I would just like I'm all about speaking the truth and I guess that comes down to your authenticity that you were saying before. But sometimes you're put in a place where you're not allowed to speak that truth. Where someone and and like you said before, I internally think things. Yes. Yeah. So someone might ask me a question. I'm not allowed to say something. I don't want to fucking argue. I'm really tired. Alright, well I've got to look for another <laughs> way out of this. And that's where the trickster comes in. That's where um, that's where sarcasm comes in. That's where um, alter egos come in. Like you, you're starting to look for other ways out of it because you don't want to just sit there and shut the fuck up. You wanna, you wanna yep. respond. And I and I guess that's where it yep. comes in.
0: Yep. Because you're good at it. You're very good at it.
1: Oh, oh <laughs> thanks, mate.
0: I love it. I, I admire that trait in others. Yeah. Um, many of the most hated public figures in society, when I take a little look at them, I realise, oh, they're kind of like, they're trolling us. Half of this, half of this <laughs> stuff is like we're taking it seriously. It's not serious.
1: Yeah, we're all emotional human beings. Yep. Like, oh the, the, Like the hysteria of the toilet paper was just amazing, <laughs> wasn't it? And then, you know. Trump saying something about sculling fucking detergent and next thing you know, everyone's fucking talking yeah. about it. Facebook's turned into this open mic comedy scene where everyone's doing five uh, minutes of it. It's like, don't, don't you get it? That's what yes. he wants. He just wants attention. You're giving it to him. Oh,
0: totally. I love reading an analysis of uh, years ago now, but how little he spent winning the, the election. All he did was he just <laughs> kept the, the media cameras on him. That's what he wants. And yeah. How much is this guy just trolling us? He's using our emotional kind of um, vulnerabilities right, right back against us.
1: And we're dumb fucks, mate. We are. <laughs> we're just full. <laughs> All right. have
0: fallen for, for Yeah.
1: Don't be a dumb fuck, folks. Don't be a dumb fuck. There's my advice for you. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the attitude that. consultant. Don't be a dumb fuck.
0: <laughs> that's it. Well, thanks. Like. Thanks for coming on. It's it's been cool, and you know I appreciate your vulnerability. And uh, Thanks, mate. you know it's not easy talking about uh, hard times. I'm sure there'll be some gold in there um, that people can use to navigate. I don't even know what you call this—the chaos that is 2020.
1: That's right. It's chaos. Well, hopefully you can uh, you can find some small nuggets in the in uh, this pile of shit.
0: Well, uh, you've, you've got a death and rebirth story, and, I mean, that's what the world's going through. Definitely. Well, yeah, so thanks for coming on. and hey, um,
1: Thanks for the opportunity to share my story, Dan. And, um, yeah, great questions. A lot of it I've uh, never been asked before, and a lot of it I've completely forgotten about. So it's nice to dig back deep and uh, be vulnerable because we forget about where we come from.
0: We do, we do. All right, well, have a good one, and uh, hopefully I'll catch you. Uh, Catch you for a beer soon, eh?
1: that would be good, mate. We'll, uh, we'll have a beer at the Windsor when all uh, we'll of this falls through.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Convergently Speaking. And if you did like what you hear, please give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. Or if you want to engage in a bit of conversation around the, the content of this episode or any of the others, You can find us on Instagram at Convergently Speaking. I would love to hear from you.
1: Don't be a dumb fuck, folks.